want to introduce everybody that's newer to the church to Justin Bevel. Anybody who's been here for a while knows Justin. Justin grew up here at the church, went through our youth group, uh, children's ministry youth group. When we did a children's ministry video a few weeks ago, there were lots of little cute pictures of Justin in there. Um, Justin has a few idiosyncrasies. Um, he has a chicken wing move that he does when he bowls. Um, still, still do it. Yeah. Over the past 14 years, I've gotten to know Justin uh, and watched him grow. And now I'm excited for him to come back as part of our 250th anniversary celebration. We've been bringing back uh, a lot of our, our friends that we've sent out uh, to, to be gospel ministers around the world and around Virginia. And Justin serves at Kingsland Baptist in southern Chesterfield, so the Chester area. And he's been there for several years now. And uh, we sent him out to college at Southeastern, Southeastern Seminary. And now he's serving as an associate pastor of the church there. And so I'm excited for you to hear from Justin. But I want you to know how much I love this guy. Um, I want you to know that he's an encouragement to me. Um, he's the most organized person I've ever met in my entire life. And I have a friend who, I mean, I thought was off the charts, but Justin beats him, which is really great. Uh, but the organization is not just a tool. It's, it's something that actually is who he is. He wants everything that he does to be excellent. Uh, because he knows with excellence he honors the Lord. And so I want to pray today that as he opens God's word to us, that the excellence of God's word would show through in the excellence of what uh, all the preparation that Justin has put in. So would you pray with me today? Father, I thank you for Justin. I thank you for his friendship. I thank you for the encouragement that he is to me and to this church as we can look at how you have continued to be faithful in him and through him. So Lord, we're asking for your faithfulness now through him uh, as we look at your word that you would show yourself faithful again to transform us, to motivate us, to show us how urgent the matter is of walking with Christ. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Just to clarify, if you look at my side table uh, next to my chair in the house, uh, you would not think I'm organized. That, that, that typically takes place outside the house. I am, I am a little organized, but uh, typically uh, not as much uh, in the house, and that's something i got to get better at. Uh, so that is a uh, welcome reminder this morning. Um, if you have a Bible, I do invite you to go ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter 4, and we will jump in in just a few moments. Uh, but first, as you're turning, I just want to uh, thank you all uh, for the opportunity to be here this morning. Thank you, Brad, uh, for inviting me to come. Uh, I am been looking forward to this for months, uh, to be able to come and to, to share uh, from God's Word uh, as we look and study what God wants us uh, for us to see this morning, uh, for what he wants us to learn, and I'm just looking forward to it. Uh, Old Palatine really does hold a, a special place in my heart. Um, I can just think back to various elements of my life uh, that have taken place right here. Uh, I was thinking earlier in the first service, sitting over there, uh, just how in those seats right over there is where I remember turning around to my parents, uh, telling them that I, I want Jesus. I, w I want Jesus to save me. Uh, I was baptized here, right? Uh, Kyle and I and Brad uh, put a roller coaster uh, behind us uh, for vacation Bible school at some point, uh, just blowing up water balloons before they do the water balloons where you can blow up 100 in like a minute. Uh, I remember making my fingers bleed out there, blowing up hundreds of water balloons for vacation Bible school. Uh, I married the love of my wife, Amanda, uh, right here uh, seven plus years ago. Uh, it's hard, hard to believe how much time has passed and uh, my wife and I we now have uh, three kids and if you we were just talking this morning if you told us uh, seven years uh, ago that we'd have three kids I would not have believed you because I only wanted 
two, uh, but we got the package deal with our second uh, set as we got uh, twins uh, that are almost 10 months, or they're, they're 10 months old. They'll be almost a year uh, in September, and Luke will uh, be one, or one. Feels like time's flying, right? He'll be four uh, here in a, in a couple of weeks. Um, it is just amazing to uh, just think about how much God has has moved and time is just really flying. So I, I love this place. Um, I love the, the mission. I love what's going on. So so thank you for having me here this morning. Um, I am looking forward to, to being able to uh, share with you this morning. Uh, our title for this morning, um, our, our theme for this morning, um, is all about him. And it's simply going to put in the statement, it's not about me. It's all about him. It's not about me. It's all about him. So Brad asked me to speak uh, specifically uh, about next generation ministry. And as I was looking through, as I was studying, and as I was thinking through uh, the next generation, um, it really comes down to a, a simple thing that's going to probably confuse a lot of you this morning as it confused me as I was studying. But the, the truth is, is so, so true. Uh, you, you, whether you're a teenager, whether you're a senior adult, whether you're an adult, or whether you are a kid, are the next generation. Well, you can say, well, Justin, how, how, do, you, how do you get there? Uh, because it's currently my generation. Well, just to put it simple, the next generation is always coming. There's always the next generation of your life. Your life is not going to look the same as it does today in five years. Your life's not going to look the same as it does one week from now. We must always be people who are preparing for the next generation. As we think about the next generation, we must come back to that statement, it's not about me, it's all about him. So as we look at that, I just think about the history of Old Palatine and the the many people who have been sent out from here, uh, whether they are across the ocean, whether they are across the state of Virginia and other places uh, across the world. I just think about uh, the people who have been here uh, since the very beginning. I mean, if people were willing to go to prison for their faith in Jesus Christ, as people years ago were willing to do, it, it, it wasn't about them. It wasn't. It was all about him. So this morning, as we talk about next generation ministry, uh, I want that to apply to each of you. I want each of you to realize that you have a next generation. Yes, we have the responsibility to invest in the next generation as the next generation part of them uh, just got back from Puerto Rico. We have a role in that. But each of us have a role in our own personal life towards the next generation as we seek to, as Old Palatine says it, Proclaim the excellencies of Jesus. And I love mission statements. Um, I say the mission statement at Kingsland all the time, which is connecting people to Christ. Uh, But this morning I'm going to try really hard uh, to use the terminology proclaim the excellencies of Jesus because that's something you're familiar with. And I love it. And it's something that you should never stop hearing. You are going to hear it over and over and over and over again from this church leadership that your goal is. It's not about you. It's about him. And the way you do that is you proclaim the excellencies of Jesus. There's always the next generation. In a couple of months, there will be a next generation of an iPhone. A year after that, there will be a next generation of an iPhone. (laughs) Clothes that you are wearing, there's going to be a next generation next season. 
If you play golf, there's always going to be the next generation of golf gear. There's always the next generation. I mean, even even think about it. Driving down the road this morning, the amount of houses that are on this road that were not here uh, when I was coming is amazing. There might have been like two or three houses on this road, and they are houses blowing up. I mean, the next generation is here. The next generation is constantly moving, constantly shifting, and we've got to be prepared for that. We've got to be ready for that. And the best way that we can be prepared for the next generation is to think about ourselves first. And the way we do that is to say it's not about me, it is about him. So as we look at the text this morning in Ephesians chapter 4, we are going to dive in um, this morning. But I do want to pray for us uh, and pray for God to, to speak through his word this morning. Would you pray with me this morning? Father God, I am just uh, grateful and thankful for the opportunity to to be here this morning, uh, to share from your word, uh, to just proclaim uh, the good news, to proclaim the excellencies of Jesus. And Lord, we are just grateful and thankful that you sent your son. You sent your son. God, it wasn't it wasn't about what you wanted. Ultimately, it was about Jesus. And God, you wanted Jesus to be our Redeemer and our Savior. Kind of sounds crazy to think about, but you knew without a doubt that Jesus had to be the Savior of the world. And ultimately, God, if we think back, God, it is about you. It is. But in the moment of the darkest moment of this world, when sin entered this world, Lord, the moment was about Jesus. That Jesus would come to this earth, that he would save us from our sins because of his sacrificial death on the cross. And God, we are thankful for that. So God, I pray if someone in here or someone online does not know you as Savior and Lord God, I pray that that today be the day that they come to uh, saving knowledge in you. Lord, I pray that today is the day that they realize that their life is not their own, but their life has been bought with a price. And that price is a free gift just ready for them uh, to receive. So today I pray that if someone's here that doesn't know you, God, I pray that, that they redeem, are redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Lord, we love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning it is our goal as we think about next generation ministry, as we think about the statement, it's not about me, it's all about him. It's uh, my goal this morning to provide you five aims for a next generation disciple. So if you're taking notes, um, everything's going to fall under that banner, five aims for a next generation disciple. Before we dive into Ephesians chapter 4, I want to just give you a little bit of background, what's taking place. I know Kenny was in Ephesians chapter 5 last week, uh, so you should be able to get to Ephesians uh, because you were there last week. Uh, If that is a helpful and uh, hopefully, as I said earlier in this morning, hopefully Brad's not in Ephesians chapter 4 next week, Uh, but we'll see. Um, we can always uh, learn from God's word and we can always grow and always be changed by the power of the gospel. Uh, Ephesians chapters 1 through 3 really uh, just give us an idea of what's taking place as there's this power, right? There's this power that has the ability to save us. And we see that this power is called the gospel. And why do we need saving? Because we were dead. We were dead. We do not deserve Jesus, but Jesus gives us his self 
so that we can be redeemed and saved. And, and there's no greater place to be than in him. So as we think about what is taking place, we've got to remember uh, salvation is, is not about anything we've done. Uh, salvation is about everything that he has done for us. So that's a little bit about what has been taking place uh, thus far in Ephesians. And I want to really dive into Ephesians chapter 4 with you. And I want to look at how there are five aims for a next generation disciple. There are five aims for you in your life, whether it's today, five years from now, whether it's your investment in someone who is coming after you. Uh, We have a mission, and that mission is to do and proclaim the excellencies of Jesus. So as we begin, I want to read Ephesians chapter 4, and I want to actually go through uh, the verses that we will read, and then we will come back and we will unpack those, uh, looking at the banner of these texts under Five aims for a next generation disciple. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. And saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might Fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves. Carried away by every wind of doctrine and human cunning and craftiness by deceitful schemes. Rather speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head and to Christ. From whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly makes the body grow so that builds itself up. So this morning we are going to be talking about five aims for a next generation discipleship. As God was working in my heart, in my life, it became very clear that that God wanted me to share with you what he's already been doing in my life the last couple of weeks, which is where this whole thing birthed from. Uh, A couple weeks ago, uh, we were supposed to go to summer camp and take our students to summer camp. And the morning of, uh, one of the twins uh, ended up uh, sounding uh, very croupy, uh, which ended up being what he had. Um, And we ended up taking him to the hospital, had, had to have some breathing treatments, steroids. And there was, without a doubt in my mind, I knew exactly at that moment that I wasn't going to summer camp. And... Throughout the whole week, throughout that whole day, this very phrase kept coming to my mind. It's not about me. It's not about me. It's all about him. And there are people that are equipped, right, to do the work of ministry. I don't have to be there. God uses other people sometimes. And that's what God did, and they had a great time. And praise God that the next generation 
is always ready to do the kingdom work. So this morning, as we look at this, we're going to look at it in a couple of different banners. We're going to first really look at the unity uh, that we have as we are next generation disciples. And we are then going to look at, well, what does it look like to be a next generation disciple? How do I use my uh, gifts that God has given me uh, to impact the next generation, how to impact uh, my own personal life? So five aims for the next generation disciple. Uh, The first one is this. How we walk matters. How we walk matters. Ephesians chapter 4 verses 1 through 3 says this. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. A prisoner of the Lord doesn't necessarily sound like a place that you want to be. I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't necessarily want to be a prisoner uh, right now. That would not be good. Amanda would have a very difficult time if I was a prisoner right now. So what are, what are we looking at? What is it, what is it talking about uh, being a prisoner of the Lord? Well, well simply put, you, you are tied to. You, you are binded to. And what are you binded to? Well, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you are tied to him. You are a prisoner of Christ, right? You are living your life for him. If you are not in Christ, you are a prisoner of whatever uh, earthly thing that you are ingrained into. Whatever it is, you're either imprisoned to Christ or imprisoned to this world. There's no getting around it. There's no stopping it. You're going to be imprisoned to something. And because of this thing called sin, all of us at one point were imprisoned to sin. That's just what we do. That's just what we've done. And praise God that he sent the son to die for us, to forgive us from our sins, because otherwise I'd still be a prisoner to sin. But praise God that he paid a price for us that I should have paid. He paid that price for me. As we continue, Paul is talking and he is actually using this uh, big word that's only four letters called urge. Right. When is the last time that you were urged to do something? Um, I don't know about you, but sometimes I am urged to take out the trash. Anybody urged to take out the trash? Uh, if it's not urged to take out the trash, maybe it's to fix the sink that is leaking, that's been leaking for, leaking for a couple of months. We're always urged to something. Uh, maybe you just went, recently went to the doctor and the doctor urged you to do something. Um, there are various, and I could spend all day uh, talking about things that you are urged to do. Let's be honest. We're all urged to live in a certain way. In this world, through social media, through news, through the Internet, through signs you see on the street, through businesses you go into, they're urging you to do something. They, they, want, they want your money, first off, right? But they're urging you to live in a certain way. When you're come to a place like this, whether it's here or down the street, there's urgency. Why is there urgency? Because people are dying. People are dying without Jesus. So we are called to be a prisoner of the Lord and we are urged to walk in a certain way. How are we urged to walk? Uh, We are urged to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. All of us this morning... Um, I think, can't see everybody, but all of us likely walked into this building this morning. We walked, right? There's a time for walking. 
There's a time for running. There's a time for sprinting. And there's a time for crawling. The Christian life encompasses all of that. I mean, just think about it. There are times in your life where you feel so beat down by this world and you really feel like you're crawling just to get through another day. I mean, think about it. When you walk, uh, you typically feel a little bit better about yourself, right? And you're walking and things seem to be going a little bit better. They might not be great, but you're, you're walking towards the direction that, that seems better. When you run, you're either running from something or you're running towards something. And when you sprint, you're trying to get to that place quickly and as fast as you can. We are urged to do something. So this isn't just like a casual stroll through the park. I mean, this is, this is an urging that requires us to do something if we are believers in Jesus Christ. If we are next generation disciples, there's an urgency. That urgency isn't just to live for Wall Street or to live for social media. That urging is to walk in a manner worthy of the calling that you have. And what is that calling? A prisoner of the Lord. You may be here today and, and you're walking towards every other thing in this world except for the Lord. I urge you this morning, walk towards the Lord. Walk to the Lord. Being a prisoner of the Lord, though it sounds kind of crazy and something you wouldn't necessarily want to do, being a prisoner of the Lord is a good thing. Because that means you're saved, that means you're redeemed, that means you have been bought with a price. You are a disciple of Jesus. There's no better place for us to be than that. Your calling. Your calling in life matters. You see, we have a calling to be a prisoner of the Lord, to walk in a manner that's worthy of the calling in Christ Jesus, to live our life for him, to proclaim the excellencies of Jesus wherever we go, whether it's here in Powhatan or Puerto Rico. We have a calling in life, and that calling has been bought with a price and under the banner of Christ. I'm not referring to a calling to save the passengers on flight 828. I'm referring to your God-given privilege of being used for kingdom purposes. That's what you were created for. We were created to worship him. We were created to bring him glory. We were created to proclaim the excellencies of Jesus wherever we go. God wants to use ordinary people like you and me to do extraordinary things to proclaim the excellencies of Jesus wherever we go. Let me say that again. God wants to use ordinary people like you and me for extraordinary things to proclaim the excellencies of Jesus wherever we go. So how do we do that? How do we walk in a manner worthy of the calling that we have in Christ Jesus? Well, let's look at the text. The text gives us the answer. It's great. We do it with humility. We do it with humility. I can't think of anything more difficult than uh, possibly in my life other than the one that's coming up in a little bit more later in the verses. But humility is hard. Being humble is hard. Because I don't know about you, but I want to say it's about me and not about him. It's hard to say it's all about him and not about me. I'm not giving you something easy here this morning. It's not easy for us to say that it's about him and I'm going to put my life on the back burner. I mean, that's what I had to do in my life. 
I had to put my life, my dreams on the back burner to be able to follow after what God wanted me to do in life. That wasn't easy. That wasn't something I wanted to do, but I wanted to be in him. I wanted to live my life for him. Humility is not easy, yet Jesus, what did he do? He humbled himself by being obedient to the point of death. Not just death, he died on a cross. He died a criminal's death to be able to pave a way for us to be able to be redeemed, to be able to be saved. Gentleness. We've got to be kind. We've got to be tenderhearted. This should be the most kind place in Powhatan. Your workplace and your cubicle or your office must be the most kind place in that building. We've got to be people who are ready and willing to say it's not about me. It's all about him. And that takes us realizing that the way we walk matters. The way we walk matters. The way we run matters. The way we crawl matters. Right? The way we do everything, it matters. All right, this one might be harder than humility right now, especially in my life. Patience. Patience. This is a difficult one. And I thought I was, without sounding boastful here, I thought I was a patient person until I had kids. And now I realize that I am far from patient. I have a lot of work to do in that area of life. I recognize that. I realize that. Being patient is not easy. Being patient when the next generation of ministry. I mean, COVID has totally changed the way that ministry is done. It's still being impactful and still affecting the way things are being done. We've got to be patient. We've got to be ready to wake up each day and walk knowing that God is in control. That God is going to move. We've got to be patient. The art of patience, it enables us to think of others. It enables us to live among others. I know personally, I have a long way to go in patience. Five years ago, I thought I had it made. But God is teaching me day in and day out that patience is essential. And especially when you start talking about the local church. Be patient with your pastors. Be patient with your leaders. Be patient with your small group. We've got to be people who are patient. So we seek to think about the next generation, your life. God might be putting you and showing you something completely new that you never expected right now. And it might take you being patient, realizing that, God, I don't understand what's going on in this situation right now. But I'm going to be patient, and I'm going to be ready, no matter how difficult How trying. God, God, I'm here. I want to be used by you. Bearing with one another in love. As a church, it's important for us to endure together. Uh, Simply put, it's essential. It's essential for us to endure together. If we're not enduring together, we're fighting together. Fighting against each other. That's not a good place to be. We've got to be enduring together. This church would not be here 250 years if people before us and people now have not been enduring together. If people haven't been waking up 
day in and day out saying that, God, it's not about me, it's about you. God, it's not about me, it's about the church. And I am going to endure together because it is important in the life of the believer. It's important that this church, that churches across this world, endure together. We need each other. We need to realize that we've got to bear with one another in love. That takes some patience. That takes some gentleness. And that takes some humility. It's not easy. But we've got to endure with one another. Especially when it comes to the essentials of faith. There should be no compromise on the essentials of faith. Those things matter. And those things must be things that we seek to endure together. That we seek to uphold. That we seek to make sure that those things are essential. Next one kind of goes right there with it. Uh, we need to eager. We need to be eager to maintain unity. We need to be eager to maintain unity. As a believer in Jesus Christ, your top goal should be to be united. To be united with Him. I mean, I mean that's ultimately what matters. To be connected to Him. To be saved. To be redeemed. But because of that relationship with him, that changes everything. That changes how we look at life. That changes how we come into a place like a church, and it changes the way that we think. There should be some eagerness every single day that you walk. And that eagerness must be unity. Must be seeking to fight together. Seeking to proclaim the excellencies of Jesus together. So how we walk matters. Secondly, how we wake up matters. How we wake up matters. Waking up is either the easiest thing that you've done today, or it is the hardest thing that you've done today. And just for a little audience participation here, uh, feel free if you're online to raise your hand or uh, to say which one of this is for you. Uh, How many of you uh, would say that the easiest thing you do each day is waking up? Wow. All right. Well, if my thoughts are correct here, that means everybody else says that waking up this morning was the hardest thing I've done. Yeah? All right, some of y'all, a lot of y'all really didn't participate in that. <laughs> Waking up is either the easiest thing you do or the hardest thing you do. Think about the Snow White and the Seven Doors. And just some of you uh, might be dopey or grumpy or bashful or sleepy or sneezy or happy. But I left out the seventh one, uh, and, and that's important uh, for us to realize. I don't know if he's technically the seventh in the line of how it goes, uh, but Doc. Who's Doc? Doc is the one that's wise. Doc is the one that thinks through each situation. Doc is the one that wants to do things the right way. Doc is the one that's seeking to make the best of each opportunity. Doc is the one that's fighting for unity. He wants to do things together. So I want to encourage you, be like Doc. Wake up like Doc. Each and every single day, wake up like Doc. And how do you do that? Well, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, praise God that you don't have to wake up like Doc on your own. He has given us the Holy Spirit who dwells among us, who helps us and leads us and guides us and directs us through each area of our life. 
So wake up like Doc. Wake up with the expectation that you are going to earnestly fight for unity. That changes everything. Waking up's not easy. I get that. But the way we wake up, that matters. And we've got to wake up in a way that is kingdom-focused. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 4. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One body. One body as an individual church called Old Palatine. But not only that, one body as a corporate church across the world of believers that are like-minded, that are seeking to do the same thing, proclaim the excellencies of Jesus. They might just be using different language, different terminology. At Kingsland, we say to connect people with Christ. That's why we exist. At Old Palatine, you want to proclaim the excellencies of Jesus. That's the mission of the church. The mission of the church is to go and make disciples. To make disciples of the next generation. And if you are a disciple in Jesus Christ, you have a next generation. And you must daily be fighting to defeat sin, to conquer sin, to be working together, to be partnering, to being with the one body. This one body matters. Whether you are in Puerto Rico or Barcelona or right here in Palatine, the body of Christ matters. And we must be people who are deciding each and every single day that I'm going to wake up to fight for the unity of the gospel. That I'm going to fight for the unity of proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus. There's one spirit. The same spirit that dwells in you, it it also uh, gives you power, but it gives the church power. This church is not just the power of the people that the people are making things happen. God is working through the people who are making things happen. God is equipping. God is sharing. God is using gifts. He's using abilities, as we'll see a little bit later in this text. God is using people to equip the church. There is one spirit, and the Holy Spirit is moving, and the Holy Spirit is pushing us towards this thing called unity. If we are in disunity, I can guarantee you we're not in the spirit. I mean, it just makes perfect logical sense. If we're in disunity, the reason why is that we are not in the Holy Spirit. And I'm not suggesting here that there's disunity. I'm not suggesting that at all. It's not what I'm saying. What I am challenging you here with is that you have a responsibility to wake up daily fighting for the unity of the gospel. That is a goal that you should have each and every day that you wake up. And the way you do that is through the power of the Spirit. The Spirit equips you. It gives you the ability to do what we just read a few verses earlier, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling. The Spirit gives us the power to do that. Never lose sight of how God is going to move in your life and the life of others. Don't lose sight of that. It's so easy for us to do that. Welcome the power of the Spirit in your life. When you wake up, say, Holy Spirit, you lead me and direct me where you want to go. Which I tell you, that's a dangerous, dangerous prayer to say. But be willing to make that sacrifice for the unity of the gospel. There's one hope. There's one hope. The only hope that we have is Jesus. The only hope that you have as a next generation disciple is Jesus. There is one hope, and that hope's name is Jesus. If you think anything different, I'm sorry, but you're wrong. 
The only hope that we have is Jesus. This church would not be around for 250 years if they thought their hope was in anything else. Those pastors would not have been put in prison if they thought that their hope was in anything else. It takes a sacrifice sometime. Jesus is calling us to do something, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling. And that calling might take you places that you don't want to go. But have confidence that when you wake up that Jesus is right there with you. There's one hope. Verse 5, there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. One Lord. Jesus is the Lord of lords. He's the King of kings. It doesn't get better than that. The Lord of lords, King of kings. Those are some amazing titles. And he is worthy of those titles. And we get to wake up if we are in Christ. And we get to wake up knowing that we are living our life for a king. And not just a king that is an earthly king. But we are worshiping a heavenly father. There is one faith. One faith. Social media, technology, the internet, the stores, sports. They try to tell you that, that there's faith in other things. But the only faith that we have and the only faith that is true is the gospel. That Jesus came to this earth. That he died the death that we deserved. That he rose again three days later. Making it possible for us to be redeemed. John fourteen six puts it this way. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's Jesus. There's, there's absolutely no other way. So have confidence when you wake up day in and day out that Jesus is the only way. There's absolutely no other way. Jesus is the way. There's one baptism. We're buried with Christ. We're raised to walk in newness of life. How we walk matters. How we wake up matters. Wake up if you are a new creation, if you've been saved, if you've been redeemed. Wake up knowing that you have a job to do. And that job is a God-given job that he has blessed us with, that he's given us to go and make disciples. To daily wake up and decide that I want to grow closer to Christ today. That I want a stronger relationship with Jesus. That I want people to realize that I work with, that I go to school with, that there is one way to God. And the way that we proclaim that to this world is through this symbol called baptism. That you go down in that water signifying that you were dead and you come out and saying, I am raised to walk in newness of life. The life that I have is no longer mine because I've been bought with a price and that changes everything. That changes the way that I wake up. Verse 6, there's one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. God, the creator of everything, right? Holy, righteous, a loving God who sent his only son. To provide forgiveness of sins. The Heavenly Father. He's over everything. He knows everything. He knows when we wake up in a manner that's not worthy of the calling. 
He knows it. He realizes it. So how you wake up matters. Wake up daily under the banner of Christ. Fight for unity. Thirdly, how we welcome matters. How we welcome matters. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this third point. Uh, I want to use this as like a transition, showing you how the text is uh, transitioning a little bit here uh, from what is taking place. Uh, we see a lot of urgency uh, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling, to fight for unity. And now we're going to see how that plays out. And we're going to see that that's played out through gifts that God has given us uh, to use for his kingdom. Really quickly, just look at verse 7. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. There's a lot that we can unpack and really feel like we're uh, just running through the text that we have this morning. Uh, but, but verse 7, I mean, God graciously gave his son to us so that we can be saved. When the spirit comes upon us, the spirit then begins working in our life and he begins equipping us through the local church, through our study privately. To use the gifts and abilities that we have for the kingdom of God. So how you welcome matters. How you welcome those gifts that God has given you. That matters. Because we could use our gifts for a number of things. We can use it for him or we can use it for ourselves. Let's use our gifts for him. Welcome the spirit into your life with open arms and open hands. Fourthly. How we work matters. How we work matters. Let me preface this and just remind you that I'm not advocating for a works-based salvation. That is not what I'm saying here. Um, We know from the Bible that salvation is only by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. A couple of verses after that, though, it says, We are the workmanship of God created for good works that God prepared for us that we should walk in them. So how we work matters. Look at what it says in verse 11. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers for a purpose to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Your pastors, your leaders naturally are seeking day in and day out to live this. They want to equip you. They want you to use your God-given abilities for the kingdom of God to proclaim the excellencies of Jesus. They want you to use the things that you are talented with to proclaim the good news of Jesus. Your gifts matter. The way that we work matters. The day that we wake up and when we realize that, man, I have this God-given ability that I've been using for myself, saying that it's about me and it's not about him, it changes everything when we use those God-given abilities and we say, God, these abilities, you've graciously given them to me, so they're not about me, they're all about you. How can I use that? Your pastors, your leaders, they want to help you. Your small group leaders, they want to help you. To use those gifts, to use those abilities to do the work of ministry. What is the work of ministry? You've heard me say it a hundred times already. To proclaim the excellencies of Jesus. And you're going to hear Brad and Kenny and all your other leaders say it over and over again. Your work that you have, that you are called to, that's part of your calling is to proclaim Jesus to the ends of the earth. Whether you're in Puerto Rico or anywhere else that you go. We have a job to do. We have work to do. Equipping of the saints... To build up the body of Christ. And this is where the unity that we just talked about comes in. 
when all of these pieces, when your gifts come alongside of somebody else and they mesh together and they work together and they are fighting for unity, they're waking up realizing that there is a greater purpose than me. It changes everything. So what is the goal of the kingdom work that we have? To attain the unity of the faith. To be united. To be together. To attain the knowledge of the Son of God. If we have knowledge in anything else, we are foolish. Our lives must be rooted in the knowledge of God. Let the Spirit mold you. Let the Spirit show you each and every day how to work with kingdom work. Changes everything. To mature in the fullness of Christ. Maturing is a good thing. And as I told you earlier today, I have some maturing to do in the area of patience. Some of you, it might be in the area of humility. Some of you, it might be in the area of something else. We must daily, daily strive for this unity of the faith to mature personally. I mean, that's the thing here about next generation ministry. If we are not willing to mature, even if it's difficult and hard and not what we want. If we're not willing to do that, we've got a problem. We must, must be willing to let the Spirit mature us. To let pastors and leaders, as they share through God's Word, as they share through vision and mission... We must be ready to fight for unity. We must be ready to grow. And as we grow, we're naturally going to impact those that are coming before, those who have come before us and those who are coming after us. We, we need each other. We need everybody. The very Spirit of God, He seeks us to grow us into the men and women of God that He has called us to be. That he's called us to walk in this manner that's worthy of the calling that we have. And sometimes God uses people to help guide you and direct you to where you are to go. So how you work matters. And since that matters, do kingdom work. Do kingdom work. Fifthly, how we weld matters. How we weld matters. Now, I'm not going to pretend to be an expert because I got the definition that I'm giving you off of Google. Uh, I am not a welder by any means, uh, but, but welding is this fabrication process that joins materials together. When the body of Christ is working together, when people, as this text is telling us, right, it's telling us that when every joint is coming together, it is a perfect, there might be some, some flaws here and there, but those end up being our flaws, right? The body of Christ needs each and every one of you. How we weld matters. Verse, six, verse 14. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speak the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined together, held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. 
Why does kingdom work matter so much? Why does the work of the Holy Spirit matter so much? Why does the work that the Lord has done for the last 250 years matter so much? It matters so that we are not children anymore. I'm not talking literally. I'm talking about children of the faith. Children of the faith or not non-believers. We, we don't want to be tossed to and fro. I've been caught in a rip current in the ocean and it is not fun. When I have no control over what I'm doing, that is not good. And this world is pulling and tugging you in a hundred different directions all at the same time. God wants to use the church and the unity within the church. God wants to use next generation discipleship to impact you, to help you mature into the fullness of God, into the fullness of Christ. Don't weld your things on life that will decay. I mean, if you're not welded to Christ, you're welded to something else. Rather, we are to speak the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. Because of Christ, if we are in him, then we are molded to the body. Or if you want to use the term welded, we are welded to the body. And sometimes that process, I imagine, for those metals going together is probably not pretty. I'm sure they'd rather be metal by themselves. Each of us have different gifts and abilities with different capabilities. Weld them into your faith journey and use them for kingdom work to continue to fulfill the mission of the church, proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus. Five walking points really quickly to invest in the next generation. First, show others daily how to walk. Show others daily how to walk. Remember, the way you walk matters. And if we are not walking in a way that's worthy of the calling that we have in Christ Jesus, how are we going to show others, whether they are older than us or younger than us, how are we going to show our future five years from now self how to walk if we are not walking in Christ today? We've got to let the Spirit move, and we've got to let the Spirit mold us. So show others and show yourself how to walk daily. Secondly, wake up daily with purpose. Wake up daily with purpose. Be like Doc. Let the Spirit, let the Spirit dwell among you. The way you wake up, if, if it doesn't have purpose, why are we waking up? God has graciously given us another day to do kingdom work. He didn't have to. So wake up daily with purpose. Third, welcome others with grace. We must be the most welcoming people here on this earth. Whether it's here in this church or another church or whether it is in your office. The way we welcome people, the way we welcome people with those God-given abilities and gifts. Right? Some of us have better gifts at welcoming people and being hospitable. Some of us don't. But God has given you other gifts and other abilities that he wants you to welcome others with grace with. You should welcome other people within this flock with open arms. You should welcome each other, even someone you have a disagreement with, with open arms. 
Because remember, it's not about me. It's all about him. Fourth, use your gifts for ministry. Use your gifts for ministry. Each of you have something that you're good at. Use it for kingdom work. Use it to proclaim the excellencies of Jesus. Fifth, mold your life to the body of Christ. Mold your life to the body of Christ. There's no greater place to be than within the body. Especially a body that's being united together. There's no greater place. So fight for that. Fight for the unity. Every single day you wake up, you must fight for that unity. Nick Fury, if some of you don't know, is the director of S.H.I.E.L.D., founder of the Avengers. Uh, he, he recognized the need. He recognized the need. Listen to what he said. Based off the reactions, I could tell you all did not expect me to go there. But he, but he recognized something, and I, and I think it's a, a good, good thing for us to see here towards the end. There was an idea. Stark knew this called the Avengers Initiative. The idea was to bring together a group of remarkable people to see if they could become something more. To see if they could work together when we needed them to. To fight the battles that we never could. Church, let me just be honest. God's idea, the church, man, I tell you what. Bring together people of all nations, all tribes, all races. Not just a group of superheroes. God is bringing remarkable people with so many gifts and so many abilities together right here in in these walls. Man, if we are working together, there's, there's no better place to be. Because I don't know about you, but I need, I need other people in my life. I need it. I need other people when the battles come. Because I can't, I can't fight it on my own. Old Palatine, you have a name. And that aim is to proclaim the excellencies of Jesus. And that's been going on for 250 plus years. I implore you. Aim to do this, always thinking about the next generation for you personally. And for those who are coming after you, remember, it's not about you. It's all about him. Would you pray with me? Father God, you are a God who has provided for us and who has paved a way for us since the very beginning. And Lord, we praise you that you have sent your son to come to this earth to live a life that we never could dream of, to pay a death that we should have paid, all for the purpose of being able to unite us ultimately back to you. And God, we are thankful for that. So God, as we as a corporate church And as a body here called Old Powhatan, uh, seek to day in and day out proclaim the excellencies of Jesus. Lord, help us to do it according to the calling that you have for each of us. To use our gifts and our abilities to proclaim your good news wherever we go. To fight for unity. To wake up daily realizing that this life is not about me, it's all about you. 
So, God, I pray that you help me to do that. And, God, again, I do pray for an individual or individuals who may not be saying that, who may be saying that this life's about me. Lord, I pray that if they need you, that they'll come talk to one of the leaders, the pastors here, about what it means to proclaim with their life that my life is no longer about me. My life is about you. So, God, we thank you, and I pray that you help us as we go. Help us to live out this calling that you have to fight for unity and to use our gifts and abilities to continue to further proclaim the good news of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Justin. Um, It's always a joy to see how God continues.